0: And we are live. The Charlotte Hornets get a rare post-Lamelo Ball injury victory, and they ended the New York Knicks' winning streak in Madison Square Garden. We talk all about it tonight on Lockdown Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: In the minute, we live. We live. We live. <laughs>
0: It's Locked On Hornet, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere Go. you get your podcasts, Hornets. and that includes YouTube, where we are going live for the first time. Ooh, Doug. I mean, how long has it been since we have gone live for the people? It has been months and months and months, to be honest. And well, I don't you can't
1: think- go, hold on. You can't go live with the phlegm that we've been dealing with for the past two weeks. No one wants to see the phlegm. They barely want to see the phlegm recorded. They don't want to see the phlegm fly live.
0: And they don't want to see any of that. We had to edit it, heavy editing. I don't even know what each show made it out. I think we did three shows before we sent the actual one out to the people. But this one's going to be live because Doug's feeling a lot better. The Hornets got a victory. It's rare that that we get to talk about that post LaMelo balls fractured right ankle. It's not like it's been forever since we've talked about one because they did have the five game winning streak, but without LaMelo, the offense has been atrocious. It's not like it was phenomenal tonight, but it was good enough to get this win against New York. Follow me on Twitter at Walker mail. Also catch me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to three and catch Doug's Substack, every Hornets box score on every Hornets box Where do we start? Doug? So usually LaMelo is the a block every single time I will allow you to take us wherever you want to Mr. Producer, Mr. Hey, let's go live, sir. Where do you want to start?
1: Well, I think we have to start with two games on the road uh, in New York, one against Brooklyn. Uh, they, uh, you know, one against New York Knicks and similar things going on in both of these games, Walker, both times they closed the third quarter, on a big run after, uh, in the in Brooklyn, it was in the first quarter against the Knicks. It was a second quarter in which they allowed 45 points to the Knicks. Uh, but they slip and fall on their face for a seven, second consecutive night in the first half. But that third quarter run, they, they got off to a little rocky start in the fourth quarter, but then, boy, did they get big shots from Terry Rozier, from Gordon Hayward, and from Kelly Oubre, who just brought a ton of energy, a ton of intensity to this game. And then... Yeah, but I think you have to look at the defensive end, really, with P.J. Washington and J.T. Thor and really a team defensive effort to slow down Julius Randle and a hot New York Knicks team that was on a nine-game winning streak and looked like they were ready to easily send it to ten games before the Hornets decided, hey, we're going to come out in the half and you know play like we actually have some talent on this team because the fact is this Hornets team does have talent. They're not going to win every night. They're not going to win most nights. Uh, But they do have enough talent that when they all come together, they're capable of really beating nearly uh, everyone.
0: Yeah, I thought P.J. Washington, just going to the first point you made, he made it hard on Julius. And there were even a couple times I thought Randall was going to get by him. I thought he opened up his hips a little too much. But then he would make it tough at the very end. He would contest. He was physical with a team like New York that's also very physical. And if you look at Julius Randall's stats against the Charlotte Hornets, He's not an efficient player against them. I mean, he did have 33 points in the last game they played on December 9th of this past year, but he shot 42.9%. So these yeah. are the last games for Julius against Charlotte. 16 points that you just uh-huh. saw tonight, 29.4%, 429 I just mentioned, 36.8%, 43.8%, 37.5%, 26.7% against the Charlotte Hornets all the way back on November 12th. 2021. So just the last couple of seasons, the Hornets have made it hard, whether it be PJ Washington, whatever defender you have contesting against Julius, that is the guy that allows that offense to thrive for that New York team. Right. It, it, unless uh, Jalen Brunson plays, which he did it tonight. Well, which, you know, should be that's mentioned.
1: that's the point that I was going to make is that yeah. I think it's it's a little easier to scheme against Randall. It's not easy at all, but it's a little bit easier when you don't have Brunson out there, and Brunson uh, has a history of putting it on the Hornets. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I think it made it easier. Well, there were a couple of things that went on with with Randall in this game. I thought it was an interesting chess match that the old buddies on the sideline Tibbs and Clifford were playing especially on the defensive end of the floor, because you saw Randall hit a couple of tough buckets. They didn't go to the double immediately, but once he started to to get hot in that first quarter – Steve Clifford started throwing double after double, and then uh, they they decided to go ISO with Julius Randle as the counter, and then Randle would pass out of it, rotate, rotate, rotate. The Hornets did a good job. You saw Kelly Oubre get a steal off of one of those rotations. Hornets did a good job of responding to that, and you cooled him off early, and that was the key. You throw enough doubles at him, he got a little off his game, and then as the game wore on, they went away from him completely And then in the fourth quarter, when they had to go back to him as the Hornets were making that run, then you were leaving it up to P.J. to go one-on-one with him, but he was out of rhythm. And you saw P.J. really attack him physically. And look, Randall does the same thing over and over, right? He's going to drive right and then try to spin back left. And, and When he was spinning back left, that's when they would either bring a sneak double over or P.J. would get a hand in there, or Thor made a, an awesome defensive play to get a stop. When he, again, gets physical with him early, but then backs off, pulls the chair out because Randall loves to get in that lane and draw fouls, Thor wouldn't let him do it. There was a lot of smart play happening. Gordon Hayward said after the game, we were playing tough in the first half, but we weren't playing smart. We played with a lot of energy, but we weren't playing smart. In the second half, they started playing smarter, and they got the win.
0: Yeah, if you look at the second half, I mean, the Charlotte Hornets vastly outplayed the Knicks. What is it? Is it a 62-39? 72. Oh, you're 70- cheating them
1: 10 points. 72-39 to 39 in the second half. Ooh, yeah,
0: so sec- second half, Hornets vastly uh, outplayed the New York Knicks, and it really was a, a second quarter. They allowed 45 points to New York, but outside that, Pretty good defensively, right? 21 points they allowed in the first, 23 in the third, only 16 in the fourth. And you saw R.J. Barrett miss a bunny at the very end of this game. Julius Randle could not connect on any of the drives. And also weird back and forth as far as the officiating goes. But I, I will say they they at least, so they, they didn't call a foul on what was it? I, th- I think it was a Terry Rogier layup where I thought mm-hmm. he was going to score at the very end, mm-hmm. but then they didn't call it on Josh Hart either, right? So each guy, Josh Hart, Terry Rogier, and a couple of transition opportunities back to back, thought they got fouled, but in reality, it went the other way. So even with the officials, a lot of Hornets fans not pleased with the way that they called it against Charlotte. At least the Hornets were the beneficiary in some aspects of this at the very end of this game.
1: Well, everybody was upset. I feel like both teams yeah. were. I thought the the refs in general ate the whistle tonight. They weren't calling a lot of fouls. Uh, and then, but then, you know, Clifford sa- finally say, I guess he's listening to the show. He finally saves his challenge for the fourth quarter instead <laughs> of burning it. it in the third quarter. And it was a huge challenge. Uh, that was successful four minutes ago. The Gordon block that looked clean to me on on first glance. It was called a foul, the Hornets Challenge, and that was successful. That was a huge turn of events there uh, because uh, that would have been, I think, it, it, that the turnover uh, or the foul, the two shots, I think, would have put the Knicks up five at that point had they gotten both of them. So uh, instead, uh, they, they tied it up on the next possession. So, yeah, I mean – I thought the the ref situation was what it was. <laughs> Clifford got teed up in the third quarter, and I love Clifford's go to move when he gets the technical foul. You know, do you know his go to move? He he stares down the ref. Uh, what is it? The Iowa coach? Who, who's the guy that's getting all oh, the? Oh, Fran McCaffrey. Yeah. So it's it's McCaffrey esque. It's not nobody is McCaffrey, but it's McCaffrey esque. Yeah. He stares down. The, he's done it a couple times this season. He stares the official down, and then he says. That is so weak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the best lip readings that we got all year long. On you didn't Steve even Clifford. need
1: to lip read. He was, he was screaming it so loudly in Madison Square Garden where there – it was a packed house at MSG, and uh, you could still hear Clifford saying – that is so weak. <laughs> um,
0: Do you want, do you want to go to any comments? It's been a while since we've gone live. Oh. So we'll, I, I want to dig deep into the individual performances. Give some love to Gordon Hayward. Kelly Oubre came up big. Terry Rozier hit some shots. Yeah. And I even want to talk about Mark Williams. Not the greatest game from him, especially the stat line. But let's go to some comments real quickly before we move on. What do you have for us? Doug?
1: Uh, Bobby says Topo. Yeah, we didn't get a good topo here. topo here. My baby's sleeping. Right so now. I'm trying not to wake the baby. Uh, probably did it right there. But uh, Blake says uh, the double walker Doug Knight win stream. Yeah, let's go. Uh, Bobby <laughs> says again, what's up, fellas? Glad to be here for a rare live post. Hornets win locked on. Yes. Uh, Blake says no Mello, no Martin, no problem. He also says this team plus Wemby equals finals. John wants us to talk about Hayward. We're going to get to Hayward. Don't you worry. Uh, I got a crazy stat for you before we go to break, though. Okay, uh, the Hornets did not have any points off of turnovers until like the middle of the fourth quarter. I had it pulled up exactly when they got it. Cause I was so, I looked in the fourth quarter and they still hadn't had any points off of turnovers. They ended up with five for the game, but all five of those came in like the last five minutes or so. It it was nuts. It was that turn the first turnover, the first points off the turnover came on that weird, like Randall, it was a pass to Randall from quickly, and he bobbled it and tried to like flick it back to Quickly. And and Gordon took it and and turned it into an and one play. Uh, so that was the first opportunity that they had to get points off of turnovers and they still won this game that's pretty crazy
0: yeah no that is nuts and especially if you look at some of the other ones here we can dig deeper in the second segment coming up next locked on hornets
1: don't go to sleep on the hornets just yet
0: I want to talk about the individual performances and then also take a look at some of the trends that happen just with the overall team stats. But first, I have to talk about Built Bar because this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and the calories, then yes, you got to try Built Bar. Healthy is actually tasty with Built Bar. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're even good for you. Perfect for the New Year's resolution that may have taken a couple of months to get in full effect. That happens with me every once in a while. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors. So many variations. The coconut variations are great. But you also might like churro, peanut butter, brownie. If you like the intersection of chocolate and fruit, they have pretty much every fruit you can think of. Well, at least the basics banana, apple, orange, you get the idea. And you I don't can think of to- a lot
1: of fruits. You're I think you're underestimating my ability to think of fruits.
0: That's why I said the basics, because I knew you were gonna come at me with some where you're like gonna say, kiwi, What about dragon fruit? Yeah, I can't tell fruit. you you have I, I know i know they don't have dragon fruit i can't vouch for that but they do have orange apple all the ones a five-year-old might understand they have those built bars yeah, and now chom, you don't need to wait around yeah, to salmon. get a box for years we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com yeah, now you can get them at your local walmart or your sam's club that's right head to your nearest walmart grab a four bar box of cookies and cream whatever you want to get or if you want more go to sam's club run in and grab a 13 bar box again you can still shop for them the old-fashioned way by going to built.com b-u-i-l-t built.com more locked on hornets coming up
1: next we got mango stains is locked on hornets are we sure that like everyone interprets a handful as five I, I think, think so. so. Honestly, I would I'm, say a
0: handful is normally five, but four is acceptable. What's am going
1: to hold five <laughs> things in my hand. Look, one, this is a pen, a book. I got okay. a phone. You're, you guys are actually right. It's getting pretty full. There's yeah, a cable. Five. Okay, that's
0: five. That's five. And here's All a right, coffee cup. What else?
1: It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast.
0: Doug, I'm pretty sure you made up mango steams. I think it's just mangoes. I don't, I don't think steams is an actual thing. You're telling me that's an actual fruit? Uh,
1: yes, it is. I'll, give you, I'll get you some more info on it and just say it. Right. Don't you worry.
0: Give me all of the info on mango Steens. I'll give you some of the info tonight on Gordon Hayward and his performance. Usually it's LaMelo Ball getting us the triple-double, but it's kind of hard to do that when you're out for the rest of the season with a fractured right ankle. Gordon went 23 points nine rebounds, eight assists, went three of six from three-point range, nine of 17 from the field, huge shot where, yeah, Gordon got to his spot and hit a pull-up jumper from about 13 feet out or so. What a huge player for them. I mean, especially when he's the guy you trust most with the basketball in his hands, certainly in the starting lineup because the other guys are Terry Rozier, and you might trust the basketball in his hands with Terry. If somebody's
1: giving it to him.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and even if Terry's creating for himself, but if he's playmaking for others, then that certainly takes a backseat. We know that Kelly Ubre is someone that was hot tonight. We'll get to him in just a moment, but Gordon is the guy you want to run your offense through in the starting (laughs) lineup. And he was awesome tonight, Doug, Uh, really some impressive numbers here lately post all-star break, what we've seen going into all-star break, man. I, I mean, you think about this from the long-term standpoint where the trade deadline's already gone so whatever but you could go into this offseason if he finishes really strong right and gm start to pay attention to him shooting at a really healthy rate starting to look somewhat like a gordon of old or at least whatever this new good version is of gordon hayward This is all about resurrecting some trade value, or if you do land a top prospect like Scoot Henderson, dare I say Victor Wembanyama, and then you just want to have an expiring contract on your roster while also helping ease in the new era, this could go well for them. But all of it, of course, is him staying healthy, which you can never bank on. At least we can just enjoy the good basketball he's playing right now.
1: Yeah, well, I think your only choice as a Hornets fan is to to hope that he plays better, right? I mean, you don't want this to be a Nick Batum, hopeless situation where uh, he becomes unplayable at some point. Uh, They can't go through that again. So I think really you have to be begging for him to play like this. And this is the Gordon Hayward that I think all Hornets fans were thinking that the Hornets were going to get. Uh, when they they first acquired him, there were there were two points in this game where he really took over in the second quarter. He didn't have any points in the first quarter, but in the second quarter, he, he had 11 points. And I thought he really steadied the ship overall, because the offense was really struggling in that first half. And Gordon finally got the wheels moving a little bit, had some nice plays. Uh, to, to set things up and really keep this game from getting two out of hand that's what happened in Brooklyn that first half in Brooklyn the the game got two out of hand and when they made that third quarter run it was like a 15 to two third quarter run against Brooklyn that brought the lead down to 24 right this game could have been that exact same situation but instead because Gordon Hayward was able to turn up the scoring when they needed him to uh, they they were within striking distance, which was 16 points, but it was striking distance. And then in the fourth quarter, again, I already mentioned the block that they had to challenge, uh, but he gets the and one that he drops it over Mitchell Robinson. He gets the contact from quickly and then drops it somehow rainbow uh, shot over Robinson. That was with three minutes to go. That's when they got their first points off of turnovers. By the way, I mentioned that in the first uh, in the first segment. But, yeah, I mean, look, he, he's got a signature move, his lane drive, spin into the fader. He had that going. Uh, I, You know, he was just amazing. I don't know really what more to say than that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, so he tied his season high for assists this year. It was the third highest total he's posted tied with nine rebounds in this game. And so with that and the 23 points, he comes very close to recording a triple double. Now, look, I didn't want to just kind of I I didn't want to clown Terry Rozier when we were talking about the ball handling, because he he did play well with a 10 of 22 uh, performance, not great from three point range, but hit quite a few two point shots and did have tough, seven ones,
1: tough ones that he hit yep. and, and they were timely and tough. Well, and that's
0: what Terry's been doing for them because if, if offense is going to be hard to come by, I go back to that game. They played against Phoenix where the offense that they had, it was Terry just leaning into the bodies of the bigger defenders and hitting some tough shots within 10 feet. If he didn't have an open three point shot or if he wasn't scoring in transition, so you're seeing Terry be very physical and hit some of those touch shots within 10 feet. And you've seen that quite a bit since LaMelo's been out. And so, you know, big shout to Terry. But I really, I know you wanted to talk about Kelly Oubre, who finished this game as the the leading point getter for Charlotte. 10 of 17 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. All four of his free throw attempts he hit. Had five rebounds to boot. Kelly Oubre looked awesome. And you know what I, I noticed from Kelly. When Gordon Hayward hit that jump shot, he was pointing to him. He was excited. Like he was ready to go. He was amped up. He was doing the whole first down signal when the ball was back in the possession of Charlotte. He was pounding his chest. Kelly wanted this one. And that's fun to see for a team that is not going to be winning many games the rest of the way. And it's it's all but said and done that they're going to be a, a bottom four team when the, when the season is uh, over with
1: couple of things on Kelly. He's got that dog in him, as the kids say. I mean, he was intensity. We've seen the x for sure. He's, yes, um, certified. Certified and uh he was bringing it late in this game and and you know that's the kind you know flexing on guys like i mean that's the kind of stuff that you've got to have when you're playing a team like new york that does have a lot of talent and skill but also they're very physical they're a very tough team and you got to show some of that toughness back kelly provided those intangible pieces but tangibly he was doing some interesting things as well look i don't it's it's kind of it's not like incredibly unprecedented. I'm sure other guys have done it, but I don't, I think it's rare when a guy completely changes his game, but that's what Kelly's done. Like he's fully transformed into a slasher. He's so different than what he was last season, but he still has a little bit of that tsunami left and he saved it for the fourth quarter when it mattered most. The final thing on Kelly is that I'm just going to read uh, what I wrote in my box score notes. Third quarter, 9.07 left. I wrote in all caps, Kelly, I'm begging you to throw a post entry just one time. He had oh. Mark Williams wide open in the post, would not throw it to him, put up a contested jumper. It was a bad play, okay? Then, later in that same quarter, 52 seconds left, Hornets are uh, down one. They'd come all the way back. Kelly finally passes it into the post to Nick Richards. I knew he could do it. Richards got fouled, two free throws, and they're up one. So, you know, Kelly, we know you can slash. We know you can shoot. Please. Can we get, let's, let's find out if you can pass.
0: Well, well, that's, but and so, right. Like we talked about this at the beginning. I don't know if I go with Kelly's completely changed the way he's played. He's just taking more shots and those other shots that he's taking, they are all coming on either slashes drives or two point range because he's still taking the same amount of three point jump shots. He did. It's almost an exact identical number that he po- posted last year from three point range, role. but the overall field goal attempts, the guy's taken 17 shots per game. Like that's a lot. And I know a lot yeah, of that he's is he's had also- two
1: yeah, he's had two chances now of being that guy. You know, and and really I don't think the Hornets had any any idea of him getting one chance to be that kind of guy who's going to get 17 shot opportunities.
0: Well, and and so yeah, he's averaging 17 shots right now. That is 5 more than he had last year. And Kelly came in hoisted him up last year. But a lot of that too is because LaMelo's been out. And so that's why I think even if Kelly and Terry both, they are both kind of hesitant during post-game press conferences to say that they changed their role or that they view a bigger responsibility offensively. You see them play like that, but both of them don't really acknowledge it. I I don't know. I'm not sure why. Like, not a rhetorical question. It's not with any judgment. I'm just not sure why they do that, but they haven't. But So that's the thing with me, right? I don't know if he's fundamentally changed it, he's taking five extra shots per game. I think a lot of those five, right. As the numbers might say here, a lot of them are on the slash on him driving more, which I said this a million times last year. He's, he's better when he's driving the, the basketball and they've come a little bit more within the two point range, but even with the assist, right? Like that same old Kelly, not throwing mm-hmm. post-entry passes. This is, this is what Kelly does when he's scoring. It's the biggest variance player they have on this team. The first half of last season, when the Hornets were flirting with a four seed at the midway point, it's because Kelly was that? going bonkers <laughs> like that, that was the thing. If Kelly was going nuclear, the Hornets were going to win. If he had a franchise record for threes and a quarter Hornets were yeah. going to win. He didn't have those records in the second half and the Hornets lost a whole lot to the point where they were barely in the play. He's such a high variance player where if he's not hitting buckets at a rapid rate, then he's not going to be helping you. Yeah, but he did tonight, and and those are the fun performances from Kelly. That that uh, real the fun quick,
1: part. real quick in the chat. John has a question on Kelly Oubre that we can answer, and then uh, head to the last segment. Uh, with mm. the way Kelly Oubre has shown that he can be one of our top scorers, do you resign him? And how long is it? One, two, three, 15 mil, twenty mil, and does he start next season? If you do resign him, a lot of questions there. But <laughs> go ahead. Well, take, yeah, take, I take think
0: I, I think if you are worried about developing the, the young basketball players. Doug in that last point he just made about Kelly was begging Kelly to make a post-entry pass to your first round pick in Mark Williams. Yeah. If Kelly's not going to help Mark, I, how much does Kelly make a scoot Henderson better? Women Yama Brandon Miller, whoever, especially if it's somebody like that, like a Brandon Miller coming in, do you want to free up more of the wing minutes by just letting Kelly Ubre go look, man, like I, I like Kelly coming off of the bench and being the microwave and letting him stay in the game if he's just going crazy, right? I like that. Mm -hmm. I know he wants to stay here, and so there could be some value there for sure. Um, I think right now I would let him go, and that's why I would have looked to trade him. But remember, they couldn't trade him because of the injury. There's no way that a team was going to trade anything valuable at the deadline. So right now I'd let him go. But certainly, it all is going to come under the caveat of how much money and how much time he's asking for,
1: and who you get in the draft. You know, do you really yep. think you have a legitimate shot at not getting into the play-in, but do you have a legitimate shot of getting into the playoffs and and competing in a first-round series? That would be a lot to ask. Uh, but if you feel like that and you think that, all right, well, Kelly wants to stay here, maybe he takes a little bit of a discount, and you know, all of a sudden you can you can come up with an argument. Uh, especially if he's going to play a little bit more defense like he has this season, right? I mean, you know, when he was the sort of combo sixth man last season with Cody Martin, that was always the deal. It was the yin and the yang. It was the offense and the defense, you know, but they do have to work Cody Martin back into this rotation at some point. They have committed long-term now to Bryce McGowan's. So there are, you know, and Bryce is not going to be ready to like contribute big time next season, I don't think. But, uh, you know, they have contributed long-term to some other guys that are right there in that zone, though they did trade away Jalen McDaniels. That would have been another, I think, stumbling block. But um, yeah, so I, I think to, to answer John's question, I think you might re sign him, but I'm still leaning towards they're not going to.
0: yeah and and even with the defense like i know the deflections are up i know the steals cleaning the glass defensive numbers are still very down on him and so you know
1: no, that look no doubt he's picked it up he has because it wasn't you know when he talked about his defense early in the season it wasn't like i'm going to become an elite defender he's what was his word it was pest i want to be a pest on defense he he is that i don't think he really was that consistently last season
0: Yeah. And so, but, and and you're right. Like if the deflections are up, there are, there are changes in his game to where it's okay. Like maybe there, there can be a change, even if they're not huge, they're substantial enough to notice them on the floor. And so we'll see if he stays. All right. Let's talk about Mark Williams and a couple of other things coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't
1: go to sleep on the Hornets just yet.
0: Yeah, one of the worst stat lines posted, especially with the amount of time that Mark Williams played in this game. So I'd uh, dissect that a little bit more. And also, Doug told me he has like a, a four pack of craft brew style mock drafts that he wants to bring. Woo-hoo! So we'll we'll get to that in just a moment and answer some of your comments and questions on the YouTube live chat. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It's past the midway point of the season. We're post all star break. It's here And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus uh, bonus bets back. If your first bet does not win, just download Fanduel. Sportsbook app, it's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and uh, threes drain. So plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go fanduel.com slash locked on, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. One more live segment to go. Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets.
1: I'm a fantastic Googler. I'm bad at logging in. If they were to do sort of a scouting report of, of me and my ability to use the internet.
0: Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah, I, Excellent Googler. Not a very good guy that's logging in. Very yeah. good at interrupting the host anytime he's trying to go on a rant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
1: I don't know what I'm Nada, there. He's, there he's we making go.
0: this surprise appearance oh, and he's gone. all right. He didn't want to hear anything that we had to say. Sorry about that. Nada. Oh, Rich Paglia, He wrote in on Twitter. I know Doug is always excited to beat the Knicks. Yes. I know Doug is excited about that yes. as well. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what he said even before we started recording. And also yeah. b- anytime,
1: we- anytime you can get one on the Knicks, You got to take that opportunity, especially when they're on a nine game winning streak. They're feeling themselves. Everybody in the building believes they're going to actually win a playoff series when when everyone else outside of the building understands the Knicks have zero chance of winning a playoff series, get out of here. You know, well, I saw a, a stat from Jason Huber, who I, I think works for Fox, right? Who's Huber? Not anymore. For Shouts okay. to Jason
0: who listens to the pod, but not anymore. He's out of the media game because he's a smart man. So, you know, well, smart, and he, he's, dropping, <laughs> he's dropping, he's uh,
1: dropping. They're not fun stats. They're not, uh, maybe they're neat stats, uh, but <laughs> He was uh, in, in, on Twitter. He said, "You know, Sacramento—they're—they're they're almost guaranteed to make the playoffs. That's going to leave Charlotte uh, with the longest playoff drought, and uh, the Hornets, uh, the Bobcats, in ten years went to the playoffs twice. The Hornets uh, are, are have only gone once in nine years. So it's just—you know—there's yeah. there's a, a lot there, there's a lot to be sad about, and we could always lean on." Well, at least we're not New York. Well, at least we're not Sacramento. Well, you know, throw all that out the window now. So it's good to That's get correct. one on the
0: Knicks. Yeah, I've made that same point a hundred percent. And and even with the Knicks, I will say this though kind of a pseudo national game. The reason I say that is because it's in a big market, because it's in Madison Square Garden. You're telling me. There were a lot of national NBA pundits tweeting about this game. Because Mm. they were covering the Knicks, going for ten straight wins in Madison Square Garden. Hang a banner
1: if they get ten straight. Hang a banner. No, no doubt about it.
0: But but it benefits the Hornets. I was watching PTI earlier today with Tony Kornheiser and Pablo Torre. They were playing fill in the blank, and the the phrase was something to the tune of the Knicks should feel blank about getting their tenth win in a row, (laughs) and Tony said inevitable. (laughs) He said it should feel inevitable that they're going to get this 10th win in a row because they're playing the uh, Charlotte Hornets. And you know, Tony Kornheiser nope. being a, being a fool up there who I, who I love. I love the foolery, but with Tony Kornheiser saying yeah, Michael Jordan's in the Victor women, sweepstakes, he's getting his speech ready for the number one overall draft when they finally get that lucky ping pong ball. So it felt inevitable, but the Hornets win NBA on ESPN account on Twitter. They tweet out Kelly, Oubre doing the flex and the first down sign. So anyways, National attention for the Charlotte Hornets. Stephen A. Smith is going to be talking about it tomorrow on First Take. So hey, man, we get our moment in the sun this year with that.
1: Yeah, and you lost to the Magic, so you know, you're, you're. I think the the Hornets are really secure in the fourth spot, and the odds really aren't that much worse at the fourth spot than they are in those bottom three spots. So you know, look, it's it's not bad to win a game like this. It keeps the morale oh, no. up as they move up because there are still goals, there are still improvements that players need to make. And, and, and learn, you know, again, to get, Clifford's got a job here to do it, which is get these guys to learn how to win and win consistently when they actually have, you know, no, when they don't have the worst injury luck in the world. That's the, each game is an opportunity to do that. So they got to get the win. Also, just want to let you know Mango on the Wikipedia page for Mango Steen, it says not to be confused with mango. It's nothing like a mango, you idiot. It's, it's more like a coconut, the Mango Steen.
0: Um, no, I, I totally, I totally believe you believe that. And that may is Bring a fruit. So I'm, I'm sure you believe that let's, let's talk about Mark and what he did tonight. Mark Williams, 28 minutes. It was the least amount of minutes played in the starting lineup, but still the fifth, most amount three of four from the field, not many field goal attempts, usually a good free throw shooter. One of four from the free throw line, seven points, one block, one steal, but here's the real bad stat three rebounds at over seven feet and 28 minutes of play. Mitchell Robinson getting a lot of offensive rebounds. I don't know how many he ended up with. I've got it right here. I can take a look in just a moment. So three, so maybe not a lot. It just felt like a lot because there were, there were offensive rebounds against Mark Williams. And it felt mm-hmm. like he was getting, you know, he had eight total and Mark just wasn't grabbing any. He didn't have any at halftime, if I'm not mistaken, put up a good old goose egg up there before he even got to the second half. What did you make of Mark's game?
1: Yeah, tough one for him. I think so many of these games are going to be matchup-based, and I didn't think this was a great matchup for him. The, the Knicks are physical inside. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is a beast, and, and he also had to you know shade Julius Randle on some of these drives. And the Knicks were just really good at getting in behind him. I thought... He's probably a little bit too aggressive with some of the drives by Quickly and Grimes and others, and you you just had a lot happening behind him, which is never good because (laughs) you know, Mark Williams is somebody that you want really close to the rim, being available to block shots, help side or one-on-one, and he wasn't really that in this game. And then, yes, he was getting beat on rebounds. It's just going to happen. Look, I think part of this – is something that he's going to have to deal with in the offseason, in the weight room, just getting stronger, getting getting uh, more attuned to the NBA game and NBA defense that Cliff wants him to play. But I also think some of this is in his head a little bit. I mean, I think there's a little bit of an edge that's not quite there, a little bit of toughness that's not quite there. I don't think it doesn't exist. I just think it, you know, you know, I, just, I think there's an adjustment period between what it takes to succeed in college and what it takes to succeed in in the NBA and I, I think he's going to find that because he obviously has the want to he obviously you know we can see it in the way he dunks the basketball I mean when he gets opportunities mm-hmm. offensively you know he looks like all right he's willing to throw his weight around but you know I think we were yet to see that on the boards and and I think that's what kept him really honestly from from playing sooner and and you just look at Clifford's comments to back that up. I mean, you know, Clifford was was very hard on him in the offseason about about his uh, about his toughness, about his physicality, and that's what this team needs. Neon charge on the chat right now uh, asking what is this team's biggest weakness? And I would say undoubtedly it is physicality. This team is all skill and all finesse and they don't, you know, they they don't hit people. They don't have enough uh, beefy muscle and they don't have enough, I think heart muscle sometimes. Uh, to really compete in a first round series and they're going to have to find that with the players that they have and and hopefully maybe with one of one of the players that they end up drafting.
0: Well, and I think it's just the consistent physicality from Mark, right? Because I mean, we've seen games, I mean, man, against Miami, like Heat culture will tell you that's as physical a team as you can possibly ask for. They got Bam Adebayo, who's not as tall as Mark, but is as physical by man, far. Bam that's how he makes a it. Living. Bam
1: don't want to play inside. He don't want none. Bam doesn't want it. <laughs> What's...
0: <laughs> you're crazy and then you're looking at like a, a phoenix suns team you get double digit rebounds i just it's the it, detroit even right like you had double digit rebounds there even if yeah. you gave up points because he can use
1: his length i mean he can there's no doubt he can use his length to get rebounds that other guys can't and when when and he can ju- and, and he can jump like i mean he can he can get the balls that other guys can't and and that's going to lead to some double digit rebound nights and then you're going to have others like this where he gets where he gets uh you know well, moved around a lot
0: you, you know what I think really hurt him though I, I think it's I think it was more so Mitchell Robinson's freaky ability to get out of the floor so fast because he's so yeah. good at that that's why he's been always such a great shot blocker It's why we've always coveted him here in Hornets land when we were looking for our center Wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it